And as you're uh, being seated and the choir's coming down, if you would take your Bible and turn to uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 30, and uh, we're going to begin in verse 1. 2 Chronicles chapter 30, and beginning in verse 1. If you got the uh, church app, you can open that up, and it should uh, open up the Bible to those scriptures for you. We're going to look at uh, the first 12 verses, and then we're going to skip over to verse 21 and uh, read through the end of the chapter. 2 Chronicles chapter 30. I've been uh, preaching on uh, none greater as a series on Sunday morning, and we've been looking at different things that there's none greater in. And these things that uh, we've been looking at are things that relate to us in our relationship with God and our service to Him. And this morning so well matches. Uh, the Lord had been speaking to me about this. We had, uh, of course, our snow uh, that uh, interrupted one of our services uh, several weeks back. And uh, so I had to do a little rearranging of uh, my sermon series and making everything match up. And the Lord had kind of began to speak to me about this message. And uh, Glenn came and uh, talked to me and uh, I thought, man, God is so amazing how he puts things together. Because this morning I want to preach on the subject, no greater joy than obedience. There's no greater joy in the Christian life than being obedient to the Lord and follow him in obedience. And this morning as we look at the scriptures in uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 30, we're looking at a, a man who was the king, King Hezekiah. And King Hezekiah was king at a time when Israel had gone through a lot of difficulties, a lot of challenges, had been beaten up on, separated. They'd gone through some division as a, uh, as a nation. And King Hezekiah, as king of Judah, was trying to pull the people back together. And they had drifted from God, and they'd been disciplined because of their sin. And they had drifted so bad that they had kind of uh, abandoned many of the things that they had normally observed. And so Hezekiah, as a, as a righteous king, is trying to draw God's people back together and tried to lead the kingdom and it's pretty obvious as you read the writings about King Hezekiah that his number one focus as king and as we would know as his uh, legacy is that he led the people to get back right with the Lord and to be obedient to God. Some of the things that have been raised up uh, to other false gods, he had those things to destroyed and moved out. And here King Hezekiah in this scripture in 2 Chronicles, we're seeing him calling God's people and really drawing them back to a point of worship. And one of the things that King Hezekiah sees by the calendar and by the point that they are, it's time to observe the Passover. The children of Israel, as you remember that uh, when they were in bondage in Egypt, that uh, when the Lord brought the last uh, judgment or plague upon uh, the Egyptians, it was that the firstborn male of each family was going to be touched by the death angel and die, yet the Lord had all the children of Israel to put blood on their doorposts, and when the death angel saw that, he would pass by. And so that's called the Passover. The death angel would pass over their house and go on to the next house. And so they had not been observing that. And Hezekiah called them and says, this is what God's word says. It's time to be obedient to God. And let's draw together as God's people to observe the Passover. And with that, as we look to the scriptures, there's a little bit of things that are 
going on, some of the people just kind of think, this is ridiculous, forget that. And some are saying, yes, this is what we need to do. And they come together, and as we'll see in the Scriptures, they end up that the Passover is such a celebrative moment and such a joyful moment of being obedient to God that they go beyond just one week of observing it. They decide we're going to go two weeks observing it. It's kind of like if, if we all got together and we decided, man, worshiping God is so good. Pastor, let's not stop at 12. Let's go to two. And to that, all God's people said, growl, growl, growl. <laughs> so they decided to go beyond one week to go two weeks observing the Passover. And here's what the Bible tells us about all that that was coming together. And in these scriptures, we're going to see through this experience what people's reactions are to be obedient to God. Now, we know some of them, the end result was great joy. But we also see in all that was transpiring and the reasons they had not observed the Passover and reasons that some didn't, we see the reasons that many people are not obedient to the Lord today and why they don't know the joy of the Lord. As the Scripture tells us, because the joy of the Lord is our strength. I'm reading this out of the NIV, and here's what it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 30 and beginning in verse 1. Hezekiah sent word to all Israel and Judah and also wrote letters to Ephraim and Manasseh, inviting them to come to the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem and to celebrate the Passover to the Lord, the God of Israel. Now that's very significant because Hezekiah was king of Judah and he's sending word out not only to his kingdom, but all of Israel trying to draw the kingdoms together. In verse 2 it says, The king and his officials and the whole assembly in Jerusalem decided to celebrate the Passover in the second month. Now, it was God's guidance for them to observe it in the first month, but yet they're doing it the second month. And we can look at that and say, man, if he's trying to get them on track, why is he not on the right date and schedule. But the Bible tells us if we go back in, uh, I think it's in Numbers chapter 10 or Numbers chapter 9, that uh, the Lord had given them guidance that if something was occurring that prevented it, they could observe it the second month, but on the 14th day, just like they did the first month. So Hezekiah is taking that second alternative and get them together to observe it on the second month. Now, verse 3 says they had not been able to celebrate it at the regular time because not enough priests had consecrated themselves and the people had not assembled in Jerusalem. Basically, the Bible is telling us that the priests had not been being prepared for it and even the people had not started gathering together. So verse 4 says, The plan seemed right both to the king and to the whole assembly. And they decided to send a proclamation through all Israel from Beersheba to Dan, calling the people to come to Jerusalem and celebrate the Passover to the Lord, the God of Israel. It had not been celebrated in large numbers according to what was written, and some translations tell us, for quite a while. Verse 6 says, At the king's command, carriers went throughout Israel and Judah with letters from the king and from his officials, which read, People of Israel... Return to the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, that he may return to you who are left, who have escaped from the hand of the kings of Assyria. Do not be like your fathers and brothers who were unfaithful to the Lord, the God of their fathers, so that he made them an object of horror as you see. And do not be stiff-necked as your fathers were. Submit to the Lord. Come to the sanctuary which he has consecrated forever." Serve the Lord your God so that his fierce anger will turn away from you. 
If you return to the Lord, then your brothers and your children will be shown compassion by their captors and will come back to this land. For the Lord your God is gracious and compassionate. He will not turn His face from you if you return to Him. It's a good reminder in that scripture that, that when we take a step to turn back to in obedience to God, no matter how much time has gone by, that God blesses that and He is compassionate and He doesn't turn His face from us, but He blesses with graciousness not only towards us, but to our children. In verse 10 it says, The carriers went from town to town in Ephraim and Manasseh as far as Zebulun, but the people scorned and ridiculed them. Nevertheless, some of the men of Asher and Manasseh and Zebulun humbled themselves and went to Jerusalem. And also in Judah, the hand of God was on the people to give them unity of mind and to carry out what the king and his officials had ordered, following the word of the Lord. They decided to be obedient. Now let's look down to verse 21. The Israelites who were present in Jerusalem celebrated the Feast of Unleavened Bread for seven days with great rejoicing. It was called not only the Passover, but the Feast of Unleavened Bread, that week's period of time, because when the children of Israel were going to be escaping from Egypt, God told them to only have unleavened bread because their time would be short and quick. While the Levites and the priests sang to the Lord every day, accompanied by the Lord's instruments of praise, and Hezekiah spoke encouragingly to all the Levites who showed good understanding of the service of the Lord. For the seven days they ate their assigned portion and offered fellowship offerings and praised the Lord, the God of their fathers. And verse 23 tells us this, The whole assembly, from the balcony corner to the very front pew, the whole assembly then agreed to celebrate the festival seven more days. So for another seven days, they proclaimed joyfully. And Hezekiah, king of Judah, provided a thousand bulls and 7,000 sheep and goats for the assembly. And the officials provided them with a thousand bulls and 10,000 sheep and goats. And a great number of priests consecrated themselves. And the entire assembly of Judah rejoiced along with the priests and the Levites and all who had assembled from Israel, including the aliens who come from Israel and those who lived in Judah. And there was great joy in Jerusalem. For since the days of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, there had been nothing like this in Jerusalem. And the priests and the Levites stood to bless the people, and God heard them, for their prayer reached heaven, His holy dwelling. We come to you this morning, God, thanking you for your word. And Lord, it's a little bit lengthier scriptures than I normally read, but I think it's scriptures that were necessary for us to really grasp the whole picture of what was transpiring and the joy that the people had because they finally came in obedience to you and the joy was amazing. And Lord, I believe that it's true for us today that when we come in obedience to you, the joy is overwhelming and amazing. And so, God, as we look today, what hinders people from being obedient? Lord, what causes people to miss out on the greatest joy? Lord, may touch some of us today. And, Lord, I pray that we will turn from those and we'll turn back to you. And, Lord, we'll give you the praise and honor and glory for all that you do. And it's in your name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. 
Now, in this picture, we see that some folks are there serving the Lord. They're observing the Passover. They're having two weeks of celebration. But some, as we read in the Scriptures, thought it was a big joke. They laughed. They mocked it. They made fun of it. And as sandwiched all in between in these Scriptures, I see five reasons people are not obedient to the Lord and why they miss out on the greatest joys of life. One of the reasons I see in these Scriptures is that people are careless And they procrastinate in being obedient to the Lord. Sometimes God, from His Word, has guidance for us. And sometimes from God's will of what He specifically is wanting us to do. He speaks to our lives and yet we are kind of careless or maybe we procrastinate. And we end up missing out on the blessings. When I was looking at verse 3 here, it told us that they had not been able to celebrate at the regular time because not enough priests the preachers, the religious leaders. They had not consecrated themselves and the people had not been assembling together. So they had not set the tone. They had not kept the routine up. They were a people that had become careless and procrastinated. Well, we won't do it this year. We'll do it maybe next year. And I have seen over and over that that happens to people in their lives that they're not obedient to God because they either become careless Well, they just kind of procrastinate. Well, you know, I don't have time right now. And I have found, I want you to listen to this very carefully. If you're listening, say amen. I have found that God usually asks of me the most spontaneous obedience when I am overwhelmed with things to do. I mean, I'll have like this list of seems like a hundred things to do, and I'm on a time crunch, and then all of a sudden God says, I want you to talk to this person and tell them about me and help them out. They're struggling. God, wait a minute, God, I, I got to go do this down at the church and I got to call these people and I got to do this. God says, do it right now. It's those moments of that immediate obedience. And I think, God, I, I have seen them standing here before. They'll be here tomorrow. I can come back tomorrow right now. But I want to procrastinate, put it off. And that's the way we do many times. God speaks to our hearts, but we put it off. Even like Glenn, God spoke to his heart that he needed to be obedient and follow the Lord in baptism. And Glenn could have said, well, maybe not this year, next year. Matter of fact, probably many people in here, there's been things that God has been speaking to you and you've said, well, (coughs) not now, God, but a little later. I'm kind of busy right now, God. It'll work out better in my life, and I can really, listen to this, I can really do a much better job if I do it next year, God. No, you won't. Because whenever God's speaking to you to do it, that's when God's going to be working in your life. So if you say, God, I could do a lot better next year, God will say, okay, we'll do it next year and do it all by yourself. I'm not going to help you. We procrastinate. We become careless. The carelessness of the children of Israel. They knew what God's Word said. They had done it in the past, and yet they had become careless of things happening in their life. And so their carelessness and their procrastination had caused them not to be obedient to the Lord, and now they were missing out on the joy. And I don't know about you, but I doubt it was very much joy to be beat up by the Assyrians and to be put kind of in their captive guidelines. 
They were missing out on the greatest joys that God had for them. They were missing out on the blessings that God wanted to give them because they were careless and they procrastinated. You know, another reason that people are not obedient to the Lord and miss out on joy, not only because of being careless and procrastinating, but sometimes people just start drifting. They drift away from the Lord and from serving Him. In the verse 6 and 7 that I read, tells about what was read that the king had sent out. And here's what he said, People of Israel, return to the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, that He may return to you who are left, who have escaped. And in verse 7 he says, Do not be like your fathers and brothers who were unfaithful to the Lord, but brought you water to drink when you were choking. Thank you, Kevin. The Scriptures in verse 6 and 7, the king is just right off the bat saying, you've been unfaithful, you've drifted away from the Lord, and therefore you have not been obedient, and it's time to get back to where God wants you to be. And you know, there's a song that Casting Crown sings about sin coming into our life and our drifting away from the Lord, and in that song it's called A Slow Fade. I found that there are some people that, I mean, they get upset about something and... Bam, they turned their back on God. But I found that the highest percentage of people just kind of slowly fade. And it usually begins that they're not reading their Bible like they used to. They're not praying like they used to. And then they're not going to church like they used to. And then they're not serving God. And it just slowly gets worse and worse and worse. So it gets to a point that they're not being obedient to God in any area of their life. They've drifted away from God and they've drifted from serving Him, and they're losing the joy, and because it's been a slow fade, even really don't even really realize what's happening. You know, it's kind of like the aging process. Now at age 57, used to, I could go, you know, in a regular routine working out at the gym, maybe miss a few days for something to come out and just hit it right back. Now at 57, I can miss one day of working out, and it's like, whoo, i got to start all over again. Then I can miss a few more and it's like, man, what has happened to me? Oh, the age has slowly faded my youthfulness. I can't tell it just walking around in normal life, but when it gets down to the rubber meeting the road, I can tell it. In the same way in our spiritual lives too, we slowly fade from the Lord and we really don't even realize what's happening to us until God confronts us and then suddenly we realize how bad we've drifted. Another reason that people are not obedient to the Lord is that they're too stubborn to see the need to be obedient. In these scriptures, if you look at it in verse 8, it says, Do not be stiff-necked. Stubborn as a mule, we might say in the South. Do not be stiff-necked as your fathers were. Submit to the Lord. Come to the sanctuary which He has consecrated forever and serve the Lord your God so that His fierce anger will turn away from you. There are many people that are missing out on knowing the joy of the Lord just because they're too stubborn. Too stubborn for their own good. I had one of my grandkids yesterday that was upset about something and they were about to get in trouble with their parents. They were about to go home and I 
I called them over to the side, and they were wanting to take a particular thing from our house home with them, and the parents had told them they couldn't do it, and I said, listen, they were crying upset. I said, listen, just calm down. You're going to be back here tomorrow, and everything will be better tomorrow, so just calm down. If you will be good and stay calm and do what your parents tell you, when you come back tomorrow, I'll let you play with it, and I'll ask your mom and dad if you can take it home with you, and everything will be good. Went out to get in the car with, or help them get loaded up in the car, and bam, they done turned back to being, I gotta have it. And the first words I hear after they turn out is one of the parents saying, You're not getting it for the rest of your life. <laughs> well, maybe that was a little bit exaggerated. And I told them, I said, See, if you just listen to Gigi, things will be better. And God does the same thing. He says, If you just listen to me, and quit being so stubborn, things will be a lot better. People miss out on the joy of the Lord because of being stubborn about being obedient to the Lord. Stubbornness can come with, well, nobody else is doing it, or it might be stubbornness of because, hey, I've done my time. Stubbornness. Another reason people are not obedient to the Lord is because they fear how others are going to react to their obedience. I want you to look at verse 10. Verse 10, it tells us that the carriers went from town to town in Ephraim and Manasseh as far as Zebulun, but the people scorned and ridiculed them. As they were going to the different places and calling them to come and observe the Passover and be obedient to the Lord. Instead of getting a response of, hey, that sounds great, we need to be doing that. It was like, ha, forget you, bud, get out of my face. Are you joking? We don't do that type of stuff no more. That's fuddy-duddy. And I've seen a lot of people that they're not obedient to the Lord because they're afraid how their spouse is going to react when they tell them. They're concerned about the people that they go to school with. How they're going to react. They're going to afraid that somebody's not going to love them anymore. That may be that somebody's, as a teenager, that, or maybe even an adult, somebody's trying to come into a sexual relationship with you. And you know that God speaks to you and say, no, only in marriage should that be. But then you're afraid of how they're going to react. Or maybe everybody else is doing certain things or telling dirty jokes and you feel like you won't fit in. We get so worried about what everybody else thinks we forget. The only one that really matters is the one who gave us life and died for our sins. The fear of how others will react. But the last thing I'll tell you this morning, the reason that a lot of people are not obedient to the Lord is because they think some of the acts of obedience are just out of date. Man, nobody does that nowadays. <laughs> are you kidding I mean, that, that was back 2,000 years ago. Come on, get a life. This is 2017. But yet I read into the Scriptures that says that God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, we know some things have changed and customs have changed. But when it comes to being obedient to God, God's Word never changes. We may change a little bit. Custom may change. You know, I, I don't wear a robe day in and day out. Everybody would look at me like I was funny. Our clothing has changed. 
The way that we interact in life has changed, but when it comes down to the core of our Christian life, God has not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let me ask a question this morning. Are you being obedient to the Lord? And if you're not, where do you fit in here? Is it being careless or procrastinating? Maybe you kind of just drifted a slow fade. Maybe you're just too stubborn. Maybe you're worried about what other people are going to think about you, or maybe you think that some things are just out of date. They don't really apply to us anymore. But there's a verse here in verse 22 that I want to read that I want to leave you with this morning. It says in verse 22, Hezekiah spoke encouragingly to all the Levites who showed good understanding of the service of the Lord. The king encouraged the people. He said, I see your movement and being obedient to the Lord. And he said, I want to encourage you. The next verse says, hey, they said, hey, let's keep this going. Let's do it for another week. I want to end this service with encouraging you. Whatever God is speaking to your heart or whatever you're being disobedient to God, would you go ahead and make a step of obedience if a 90-year-old man on his birthday can decide after 77 years, it's time to be obedient to the Lord. Maybe it's time for you this morning too. Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you this morning. Lord, I thank you, God, for the power of your word. And Lord, when I thought about these scriptures and I read through them, Lord, I thought, I believe there's no clearer illustration in the Bible of why people are not obedient to the Lord, but yet the great joy that obedience brings. Lord, I pray, God, that you would just take these scriptures and bring them alive this morning. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would use it in just a mighty way in our hearts and our minds, Lord, to speak to us about being obedient and knowing that joy. And God, I'm going to thank you for what you do.